the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Wine Women Radio. I'm Marcia Maycumber, one of your hosts. And with us today, we have Lisa Adams-Walter. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Marcia. Good to see you and hear you. Nice to see and hear you as well. Safely distanced. Yes, safely distant and uh, um, in, enjoying our nice, beautiful summer weather, which is giving us some really beautiful, cool nights and warm days. Perfect for everything growing. We've also got with us Misty Rodebush Kane. Hello, Misty. Hi, Marsha. And I am actually outside today. So it's a quite a nice, quite a nice change. I am by myself, um, social distancing, but um, I did receive this fantastic mask from Wine Women. So I'm prepared when I walk off the patio. (laughs) Yeah, you're at St. Supery today, which is kind of cool and a, a rare option there. So yeah, it's a beautiful day in Napa. Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous day. Um, So today we've got a pretty exciting show because A, it's all about women. We have a lot of women. The women have been leading on multiple fronts. uh, And we get to talk about something that almost never occurs, which is, shall we say, the birth of a new AVA, an American Viticultural Area. And the birth took place actually a couple of years ago uh, for the Petaluma Gap AVA. Um, and for those who don't know the AVA, I think we should first make sure our listeners know where the AVA actually is situated in Sonoma County. So who would like to, who of all our guests wants to jump in and tell us a little bit about um, the boundaries of Petaluma Gap and how it was formed. Anybody want to raise their hand on that one? <laughs> I'll take it. Anna Keller, Keller Estate. Well, Go right ahead, please. For having us, we're excited to be here. Um, well, the Petaluma Gap region is located in the southern tip of Sonoma County. It actually is right in the middle of the town of Petaluma. And it starts actually at the coast, right at Bodega Bay, where the mountain range, instead of running parallel to the coast, runs perpendicular to the coast. And what ends up happening is all of that fog that builds up at the ocean actually comes in gushing and the wind brings it through the Bodega Bay, takes it into Petaluma, hits Sonoma Mountain, and then turns and goes out to the Bay, effectively creating a wind tunnel. So yeah. to- and to the east of us, or to the east of us, we've got Carneros. So Great. before we were the Petaluma Gap, we were the southern tip of the Sonoma Coast. Got it. Got it. Now, does this, uh, I was looking at the map of the ABAs and I was trying to understand if, in point of fact, it is the Sonoma Coast ABA that actually continues south of the Petaluma Gap. Does that seem right or no? What? Sonoma Coast actually goes also borders goes into Marin County. Mm-hmm. That's no, right. We are the southern, you know, Sonoma, Sonoma Coast ends at in Sonoma County, but Petaluma Gap goes into Marin County. Okay. All right. Good to know. 
So it's a pretty wide geographic area. Um, if memory serves, uh, well over 4,000 acres of cultivated vineyards. Does that sound about right to you guys? Correct. Um, that's yes. not exclusive just to the group here. And I think now it's a good time to introduce everybody who's here. We were just talking with Anna Keller, Keller Estate, but we've also got Dr. Liz Tosh, Master of Wine. I have to put that afterwards because it's so hard to earn. Dr. Liz, thank you for being with us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Marcia. Thanks so much. Uh, you were one of the ones who was formative in helping to develop and submit an application to form this, this AVA, right? Yeah, yeah, I joined the, the Petaluma Gap uh, Board of Directors. Um, it was actually started, uh, the group was started in 2005, and I think I came on in around 2009 or something like that. And so for a while, we mainly just promoted the Petaluma Gap. We, we weren't trying to have it become an ADA in the beginning. We were just trying to create um, some interest in it. We were inviting a lot of um, journalists and reviewers to taste the wines, sommeliers from around the country, and slowly start building up, you know, some good buzz about, about the wines coming from the region. And finally, in 2014, the decision was made that we would apply for an ABA. And so I was on that. We had a subcommittee then that was created, the ABA subcommittee. And um, so four of us were on that. The leader was Doug Cover. And we each had a different piece that we went out and, and did the research on. And I did the part on the history. And then I also gathered all of the media. You need to have a lot of uh, quotes from, from media and reviewers and newspapers and press and all of that in your petition. So I went and gathered all that part. And then we also had a, uh, we hired a consultant to do a lot of the uh, geological soil weather work. And then the whole big petition, um, everything, all that information came together. And then Doug Cover is the one who, who really wrapped it all up and wrote it and made sure it flowed um, nice and smoothly. And there you go. And we're going to leave our listeners in a slight bit of suspense right now about how submitting the application um, came out. We've already said it's the newest one. So they know it came out with a happy ending. But uh, we're going to go back to the details in a little bit because I want to get everybody else introduced. I want to introduce Kareth Overstreet, who is the, oh, you wear all of these hats. And I have to say all of them because I loved it. Chief of Grower Relations, Head of Marketing, Director of Sales, and go-to tank sanitizer for Brulium Wine. So, Kareth, welcome for being with us today on Wine, Wind, and Radio. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for including me with this group. It's a pleasure to be surrounded by so many women who are passionate about wine. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. And I have to say... Um, you have one of the most interesting backgrounds of people to enter the wine industry. And we know that there's a lot of people with interesting backgrounds because you didn't start off in wine, did you? Uh, no, my dad said you can be whatever you want after medical school. So um, I did indeed go to medical school. I did an internship in general surgery. I did a residency, two fellowships passed my boards and decided, you know, I think I'd rather be a winemaker. So that's when I went back to Davis um, and started plugging through the classes. 
to start the winery. Very, very good because we're all the richer for it being able to enjoy great wines from Brulium Wines. So we're going to get to yours in just a second. And I want to also introduce Ricky Trombetta, owner of, owner, co-owner of Trombetta Family Wines. Um, Ricky, you've got, you've got the first wine up here. So I think it's, it's, we should start with you because you have the Chardonnay of the day and it's got a beautiful color made by your daughter. Yes. Um, and so I think we should start a little bit perhaps with a, a quick story about how you got into the wine industry and then introduce the wine and we can taste through it. Well, you know, I was raised um, by an Italian family, a mother and father, both, both were immigrants to this country. And oddly enough, we never had wine at the table. Um, <laughs> One of so, the Italian families who didn't Go figure, wine. right? So um, yeah, after I was working at Hewlett Packard in human resources, I met my future husband, Roger, who is from Connecticut. And, um, there was a friend of ours who lived down the road on Vine Hill School, Carmine Ndindoli, who was also an engineer at HP. And he invited a number of us over to learn how to become home winemakers. So we did, and we found that we had this incredible passion about making wine. So Roger and I went off to Davis and then also our local JC and took classes. We do not have enology degrees, but you know, we wanted to make wine that was actually drinkable and um, didn't turn to vinegar. So we wanted to learn the parameters of how to make wine. Well, fast forward 1998, um, a mutual friend called me and said, hey, there's a winemaker that just bought a piece of property in the area and he's looking for someone to help him put on an event. And that's how I met Paul Hobbs. And when Paul found out that I was a home winemaker, the next 10 years of my life, I spent in the vineyard, in the cellar, and eventually when he built his winery, developing his hospitality program. And he's the one who actually discovered Erica's palate when she was 10 years old. Um, he was over for dinner, he was over a lot, he wasn't married at the time, so <laughs> he used to show up for dinner. And uh, he brought this bottle of Merlot from the Michael Black Vineyard in Coombsville, Napa, poured some in a glass, had Erica smell it and, and taste it. And with the um, descriptors that were coming out of his, her mouth, he said she needed to become a winemaker. Well, of course, we all had a good laugh about that, thinking, yeah, right, today she's a princess, tomorrow it's a fireman, you know, 10, you never know. So, um, but lo and behold, he did mentor her over the years. Uh, she went to Fresno State, got her degree in enology. She worked down in Argentina and um, worked at Red Estate and Napa and, and a number of other places. We started the brand in 2010 when she graduated and Paul was our consulting winemaker with Erica being the assistant winemaker. But in 2014, and this is where the Chardonnay comes in, it's, I love this. So Erica had been bugging us to bring on a Chardonnay. We had started with Gap's Crown Pinot, then we added a Sonoma Coast Pinot. And she said, mom, we need a Chardonnay. So very uh, quickly, I called Paul, we started talking and he said, yeah, um, I wanna give up my Gap Chardonnay. So um, 
how much would you like to take? And I said, well, let me have three tents and let's see what we can do with it. So the pick was done at night. He calls Erica up and says, be here at 7 a.m. She said, no problem, because we were on the pick. And so we just drove straight to the winery. The Chardonnay got loaded in the press. He hands the uh, switch over to her, starts the press and says, have fun making it, and walked away. <laughs> and so, and that's literally how the Chardonnay got made. So um, this comes from a little block up on the Gaps Crown Vineyard, which it's probably about 600 feet up in elevation, mm -hmm. the block 10B. It's um, a fabulous clone. What I love about the Gaps Crown Vineyard is that being a million year old extinct volcano, there's a lot of rich minerality. And I think that you can taste that in the glass. Erica's finesse with the wine is, um, everything is um, fermented in 100% French oak, but only 25% new. Uh, she does use Surly's batonnage techniques in order to get out that butteryness. It's, um, there's a richness to the wine, but we're really looking for the balance. And the thing we love about the fruit that comes from the Petaluma Gap is that you get the beautiful fruit, but there is this wonderful acidity that really balances the wines. It's lovely. Thank you. It's beautifully yeah. integrated. That's one of the things that grabbed me right away was, you know, nothing here is, you know, standing out, sticking out in a funky way. Everything is just beautifully integrated. And the minerality um, does very much reflect Gap's Crown Vineyard, which is quite well known for uh, the Chardonnay it produces. And frankly, very much coveted by a lot of people who'd love to get their hands on fruit from Gap's Crown, but don't have current contracts and kind of are, you know, waiting to see if anybody will drop out. So, uh, Misty, Lisa, what, what do you want to say? You're both tasting this. Uh, any particular notes you want to talk about? It's, it's very tantalizing, is what I would say, in that it, it it, you know, as it goes across the palate, there's a lot there that sort of lingers. And um, I agree, you can taste really nice fruit, though. I love the bit softer touch of the oak. Um, so that it, you know, it's not overpowering at all. Like Marsha said, it's very integrated and balanced. So I'm really enjoying trying it. Thank you. Yeah, likewise, I am, I'm truly enjoying the, uh, the complexity of the fruit profiles because you still, it's still vibrant enough with some like really nice flavors, really nice green apple flavors, but subtle. And then it, it sort of transgresses into more of the tropical fruit and it's um, fantastic and the body's really nice and the finish is nice. So very, very well done. And it's so fun to be, um, to, to be here um, talking with ladies who are making wine and the Petaluma area. I've called Petaluma home now for over a decade. So it's really fun and a Sonoma County native. So I'm, I'm delighted to be here with you all today and um, to give you all accolades for um, finally having Pet Petaluma recognized. And it's rec Petaluma is recognized for so many things from dairy to eggs. It was once known as the chicken and egg capital of the world. And it has some of um, the world's most prestigious and coveted cheeses. Um, to just these amazing rolling hillsides and fun antique 
shops to visit. Um, so now it's fantastic that there's also some great um, wineries that are being and wines that are being recognized out of this area. Not that they haven't been grown for a long time, but um, now with the AVA recognition, it's really nice. Sure is. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the minerality because that's such an integrated part of Petaluma Gap um, and, and also particularly Gap's Crown. I've just heard about it for years and the wines I've tasted from that vineyard. It's one of the unique hallmarks. And one of the things we didn't talk about with Anna and um, Dr. Liz when we first started talking about the boundaries of the Petaluma Gap was kind of the um, the the subhead, the you know the subname or the slogan for Petaluma Gap is wind to wine, and in point of fact, you you talked about using a consultant to help you with all the geologic studies and definitions, but one of the things that grabbed me was that this AVA that everybody got to start officially using at the beginning of 2018 is the only AVA I've ever heard of that its boundaries have been defined by wind. Would anybody like to talk about the wind and, and its effects specifically on your wines? Kareth, go dig you in. Want to take that one, gals? Okay. So it is my understanding that yes, indeed, the, the physical boundaries of the AVA are absolutely defined by the wind and that um, wind, wind measuring machines, I think they're called ampelographers, um, were set up along the boundary. And if the wind didn't hit a minimum threshold of miles per hour, the boundary was moved. And so I always like to say that while all of Sonoma Coast is a cool growing region. It's only the Petaluma Gap that is profoundly impacted by the wind. And that wind is really important for grape growing for three different reasons. Um, of course, number one, Ricky was talking about the fog in the morning and Dr. Liz was too, and Anna as well, how the fog comes off of Bodega Bay and hits Sonoma Mountain. And while we love fog for keeping grapes cool, um, you know, fog is also moist. So in order to mitigate that moisture and the botrytis pressure, having that wind come through helps to dry it out and keep all of those grapes safe from a microbial point of view. Um, number two, the second thing, of course, that the wind does is keep the grapes nice and cool. The wind comes through like clockwork between three and four o'clock in the afternoon. And of course, that's the peak of the day when it gets the hottest. So in the Petaluma Gap, um, whether you're standing at Anna's estate or you're at the very top of the Gap's Crown Vineyard sitting above the fog line, when that sunshine hits the peak of the day, it corresponds with that gush of afternoon wind. So the grapes never really see that peak, peak temperature for very long during the day which is great because of course in Petaluma Gap, we like to pride ourselves on being a cool climate AVA. The third thing that that wind does is it ruffles up the skin so they get a little bit thicker. And as everybody knows, color and flavor and texture comes from the skins. So having a little bit more thickness to the skins means that in the Petaluma Gap, we're able to craft wines with texture and um, an intensity of hue um, and a little more fullness and texture on the palate than you might expect 
from a cool climate AVA. And I guess number four, which I forgot to mention, is that at a certain threshold, um, the wind will actually halt photosynthesis. So the grapes will stop accumulating sugar, but they continue to mature in other ways. So we can maintain that acidity. We can achieve a beautiful phenolic ripeness without having the sugars spike and peak needlessly before we're ready to harvest. It gives us a lot more play in the vineyard to really reach every parameter of ripeness and not only sugar. Cool. I have, I have a question about, um, about the wind. Does that add um, and intensify sort of the risk with growing in the Petaluma Gap area uh, because it is so intense and so different compared to the other um, typical Chardonnay regions of Sonoma Coast or Corneros, for example? I'm happy to take that. Do you want to take it, Anna? Go ahead. Go ahead. I, was, I would just say that the big that I see is not necessarily on the everyday growing season, but trying to get the, the vineyard established is a challenge. Because these are tiny plants that are trying to grow and they have to grow up fast. And normally, you know, we planted two rows of poplar trees in front of one of our vineyards because it was just so much wind that the plants couldn't, they couldn't take off. So that was a perfect windbreak then for you, Anna. It was. So interesting, fascinating. What I'm loving is I'm hearing so much excitement and enthusiasm from all of you that it's, it's, and I, I lived in the town of Sonoma for 12 years, very near this region. And I thought, oh, Petaluma Gap, it's this little AVA. And then I looked at the map and it's huge. I mean, it's one of the largest in Sonoma County, which is really phenomenal. Yeah, Lots we're lucky. Wind. Yep. Very cool. So I want to make sure that our listeners know where they can get the Trombetta family wines. We've just been really enjoying this beautiful, beautiful Chardonnay. This is the 2017 Chardonnay from Gap's Crown Vineyard in the Petaluma Gap AVA. Um, and you can go to trombettawines.com uh, in order to purchase this or join the club or both at the same time, which would be even better, of course. Um, Ricky, anything else you want to add real quickly about this Chardonnay before we move on to the reds that we're sampling today? Uh, just one other thing is that um, our Chardonnay as well as our Pinot Noir are very food-friendly wines. Um, if you can imagine, having this along with a, a lemon risotto with maybe some seared sea scallops or something like that. You know, it just, it goes very, very well with food. And, and that was the whole intention of the, the wine that we're making. But the other thing is, and this is what I really respect in my daughter so much, is that as she has often said, I don't want people to open up a bottle of wine and say, oh, that's an Erica Stancliffe wine. I want them to open up a bottle of wine and say, oh, that tastes like it came from Gap's Crown Vineyard, or that tastes like it came from Indindoli Vineyard. She wants it to be a sense of place that people experience with her wines. And um, we're very thrilled that she has been able to achieve that. And um, we love what she's doing. Bravo. And Ricky, you mentioned the oak treatment on this wine because I'm yes. really loving that integration. Um, 
people often think of Chardonnays and they often think of really rich, buttery, over oaked. But I mean, this is just so nicely done. And you had mentioned that it spends about, um, you said eight months? About eight to nine months uh, in barrel. You know, Erica said that we're so lucky because we have California fruit, but we can make it in old world style. And so that's what we're really looking at is, is a sense of place and balance. Cool. Excellent. All Thank right. You. So let's, let's give a try on another one of these wines. We've got, um, we've, we've got carrots, um, San Giacomo, right? Yep. San Giacomo. San Giacomo. I'm backwards today. <laughs> San Giacomo. Uh, Robert's Red Pinot Noir from Petaluma Gap. We're always going to keep uh, emphasizing that. And we've got uh, Anna's Roti. Uh, who, which one of you wants to go first? Oh, do you want me to go first? You're, you're muted, Anna. Do you want me to go first? Please, because the Ciroc could wait. It's kind of the end. Yeah, that makes sense. Perfect. And maybe you ladies didn't know, but we also have uh, some of uh, the Klein Pinot Noir as well. So maybe we'll touch on that very briefly um, before we get to Anna's Roti. Uh, so Kareth, take it away. And, and while you're talking, we're going to pour and taste. Awesome. Thank you so much. So um, the San Giacomo Vineyard Roberts Road is, of course, located on Roberts Road in the Petaluma Gap. Um, it was actually one of the first commercial vineyards that was planted in that little elbow of the Petaluma Gap. Um, it was planted by the San Giacomos um, in 1998. And it seems funny now to think of that site as being radical viticulture, but when it was planted, it was considered a really crazy and controversial place to plant Pinot Noir. The San Giacomos were told, it's too cold, Pinot's never gonna ripen there, which of course now sounds funny when you think about extreme Sonoma Coast and vines clinging over the Pacific Ocean. But in 1998, this was considered a pretty radical place to plant Pinot Noir. But Mike and Steve took a leap of faith. Um, this vineyard sits at the base of the Mayakama Mountains. And as Ricky touched on, that this is an old um, extinct volcanic range. So they knew that the soil was rich um, and didn't need any amending. So they went ahead and planted it. I first tasted wine from this vineyard at an event in Healdsburg called Pigs and Pinot. And I tasted Greg LaFollette's San Giacomo Vineyard Pinot Noir, and I was just carried away by the beautiful exotic aromatics, by sort of the yin-yang of red fruit and savory elements that meandered together. And I took it upon myself to politely harass Mike and Steve San Giacomo, asking if they would sell me some fruit. So every three or four months, I sent them a polite, but persistent email saying, hey, I'm Kareth, I've been making wine for four years, will you sell me some fruit? Um, and finally in, oh gosh, it must have been 2011 or 12, they sold me just under a ton of fruit. Um, and I did well with it, and I've been lucky to partner with the San Giacomos at that site ever since. Right, I wanted to just mention, because I live right next to uh, the, the Gaps Crown Vineyard and, and the Roberts Road um, Vineyard, and um, I drive by both every day on my way to Sonoma State, or I did when, when it was open. 
but what's amazing about the, um, the, the vineyard is Gas Crown is up on the hill a little bit, and that's where I live. And then you drive down off the hill into the valley there, and it is in like an elbow, and it's a twisty road through Roberts Road a Vineyard. And my car thermometer in the mornings, in the wintertime, I'm leaving my house and it's maybe 42 or something like that. And as soon as I get down to the, the Roberts Road Vineyard, immediately the freeze warning goes on on my car because <laughs> the drops down. It gets really cold in that vineyard. And that's why they were told that it was like extreme. They were crazy to plant grapes there in the beginning. But in, in, in terms of acidity and minerality and freshness, um, all of the grapes coming off of that, that vineyard are just truly amazing. Yeah, I think again, it speaks to what Anna and Ricky and what you've pointed out too, Dr. Liz, about the effects of the wind on acidity. And it really gives all of the wines from this region a beautiful lift and it does make them food friendly. It makes Petaluma Gap wines, the kind of wine that you do wanna put on your table with dinner. Um, and you pointed out another really cool fact that San Giacomo Vineyard Roberts Road and the Gaps Crown Vineyard are literally a stone's throw away from each other. And yet they have this massive temperature gradient. I usually harvest San Giacomo sometimes three weeks after Gaps Crown has been picked. And for vineyards that are so nearby physically, to each have such a distinctive sense of place is really, really remarkable. And it really speaks to all the pockets of microclimate within the Petaluma Gap. And it makes it such a fun place to explore for your palate. Nice. This is super smooth. Uh, you know, I was, I was kind of wondering, because I get, you know, Pinots come in all shapes, sizes, flavors, colors spice rack collections and i was just kind of stunned because it's just just got this super smooth delivery uh on the attack and all the flavors again are completely integrated coming through and it just keeps going and going kind of like the wind of the petaluma gab <laughs> oh marcia nice tie-in nice tie-in there <laughs> thank you it's really lovely I think one thing that's really important about that acidity that we keep coming back to is also the how it makes these wines age worthy. It just allows the wines to age smoothly and gives you kind of, I think this is what is going to make the Petaluma Gap stand out years from now is that the wines as they age, they continue to evolve, but that acidity really ties the wines. Yes, agreed, agreed. Very much so. In fact, What's interesting is that we typically hold back our Gaps Crown Pinot Noir for about three years before we release it because it does take a little bit longer for it to age in the bottle and smooth out. And yet um, we've pulled out some of our 2010 and 2011, what, what little we have left from those very early vintages, and they still taste as fresh and are as vibrant um, as when we bottled them. And as, as MWs, we like to sort of compare the taste of the Petaluma Gap to Carneros and Russian River and the Sonoma Coast, because there are distinctive markers between each region. And when I'm also, when I'm a judge, we're tasting blind, um, but they'll often tell us the ABA. And it's so fun to be able to just find these markers. So Petaluma Gap, we get, of course, the acidity and the minerality, but also a lot of 
darker black fruit uh, coming through black cherry, sometimes a little bit of, of uh, Eau de Provence coming through in, in the Petaluma Gap. And uh, whereas Russian River is known for, of course, cherry cola, you know, and then uh, Sonoma Coast is also has very high acidity like Petaluma Gap and Minerality, but it also has more of a cranberry, a red cherry note and Carneros is known for its, um, it's uh, silkier uh, tannins and it's strawberry, it's strawberry note. So each region has its, its own markers and it's really fun to have a blind tasting of all four. Yeah, it is fun to really pick up on the cherry. Like I struggle sometimes with, uh, with pinots to really pick up on like the, the tart cherry cranberry flavors. So it is really fun to, to taste that in this wine. And like Marcia said, it is so extremely integrated and um, sometimes, you know, if you're tasting a wine, you'll feel like you're maybe walking down a flight of stairs sometimes, or you'll get a, like this really something that'll make you think like, oh, that just didn't work together. But um, this is just so well integrated and it goes on and on into many different dimensions. So it's, uh, it's fun to try wines from, from different, uh, say Pinot from different, different appellations, of course. Yeah. Right. All expressing very differently. So it's a lot of fun to do. Let's, um, let's make sure everybody knows where to go to find Kareth's wines. Uh, you want to go to brulliamwines.com, B-R-U-L-I-A-M, wines.com. And I think that's now the perfect time for Kareth to tell the story behind the naming of the winery. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so the winery is just is named for my kids. It's an amalgamation of their names, Bruno, Lily, Amelia. And of course, brulium sounds like cadmium or polonium. So the name is, of course, also a riff on the periodic table, which is a cheeky nod to my past um, career, um, well, my past training as a physician, as an academic doctor. So fun little nerdy, but true tie-in. And then it's a cute story. It is a cute story. And the production of these wines, I mean, both the Trombetta, like they're very, very low production. Like you had mentioned, you would ask for San Giacomo grapes for years and years before they actually allocated some. Kareth, what is the production on um, this Pinot that we're trying right now? I think it's about 300 cases. I, now I've, um, I get about five tons um, off of that ranch from Mike and Steve. Yeah, and the Trombetta I think is right around the same. Uh, is that correct? Um, we, we make about 150 cases of the Gaps Crown Chardonnay. Yeah, so even less. Wow. So people should get in on this early while they can. <laughs> Definitely the way to go. All right. I think uh, it's a good time for us to pour a little bit of Megan Klein's, the Klein family sellers, uh, Pinot, before we go on to Anna's. Megan wanted to be here, but had a, I believe, a simultaneous Zoom uh, with ours. So um, sent on her wine by itself without her. Um, the Klein family sellers are kind of, I want to say, at the southernmost tip of the AVA. Does that sound right to everybody? They're, they're practically, or, or some people would say, well, they're in Carneros, um, and they are to a certain degree, and there's a certain amount of overlap, isn't there? There is no overlap with Sonoma. Oh. 
with Sonoma. Well, actually, that was one of the things, and, and it was a great team effort that we, in crafting the AVA, we had a lot of conversations with our neighboring AVAs, trying to come up with borders that made sense both geographically, but also made sense from, to be quite honest, getting the AVA approved. There was, a, people were telling us that overlapping AVAs was something that confused consumers and they would probably block on our side. So we, we carefully were, we made sure that we had conversations with West Sonoma Coast, with Russian River, with Carneros, and we kind of stayed within the Sonoma Coast AVA. But yes, they are on, on the border between the Petaluma Gap and Carneros. They do get a lot of that wind that comes down from 116. Um, I see their vineyard on the backside of our hill. And what's great about Klein is their passion, you know, as they learned more and more about the Petaluma Gap, Megan actually started a new label called Gust. And oh, wow. So they really have committed, and this is kind of a small production. It's part of her passion project uh, to work on this, on this new label, which is beautiful as a label, but also they're, from what I know, and they're 100% organic grown grapes, um, their entire project. So they've also been very generous to the Petaluma Gap and the growers in the area, sharing their expertise and their knowledge so that ultimately we can all grow better grapes. Good story. Thank you, Anna, for filling us in. And I'm sure Megan appreciates your filling us in on her pet project, Dust. Um, I have to say, in tasting the Pinot Noir, and it's, and it's been a while since I've had a Klein Pinot Noir, so it's fun to kind of compare this right after we've tried Karis. Um, to me, I'm getting a little bit more cranberry and even a little plum uh, to it. Um, so I'm wondering what other differences, Lisa and Misty, you might be picking up in this Pinot. I'm definitely picking up a little bit more um, like raspberry notes, which is fun. Good call. So yeah, raspberry and a little bit of, um, just a little bit of a deeper, uh, probably from the oak treatment, a little bit more of like um, chocolate and like a little bit more rich flavors. Um, so, and you know, so it, it is very expressive. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the fruit that I'm tasting will sound a little random, but it's pluots because they're in season right now, which is the, the combination. And it, it's got kind of that sweetness, but the depth as well. Not sweet like sugar, of course, but I'm talking about the natural sweet you would find in fruit. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's much rounder and lusher in a, dif you know, in a different way. Um, I enjoyed um, Karis Pinot for different reasons because of the structure and the acidity and I think this one's a just you know a little bit smoother in a different way. Yeah and yeah. it is nice to, I, I, and I haven't tried a, a Pinot from Klein I've tried Klein's um, Cabernets in the past and their Chardonnay in the past but and I know they also produce a uh, Syrah but trying um, the Pinot Noir is very very nice and um, I haven't had the the I haven't been lucky enough or I haven't been by recently to also try their, their Viognier, but I heard that they also have a, a really nice Viognier. Yeah, that's lovely. So cool. All right, I think that takes us up to Keller Estate and turning this over to Anna. So uh, while we're pouring Anna's 2016 Rotini, I think perhaps our listeners would like to hear a little bit about where Keller is located in, and the family history, because of course, it's the winery and it's the car collection. So you have to tell us a little bit about that too. 
Go ahead, Anna. Thank you. So whereas Gaps Crown and, and Robbers Road is a bit further up north, we are on the southern tip of the Petaluma Gap. We, we, get, we get a chance to see how the fog rolls in through the afternoon and by early evening we're under the blanket of fog and we'll be the last ones to see the fog leave in the morning. So we end up, most harvest days are pretty foggy around here until about 11 a.m. when the fog finally lifts off. But my dad loves old cars, as you well said, and his passion was always driving the old roads of Sonoma because it was just, you know, what, what is there, you know, those are the best roads to drive. And he knew about this property and one day they were able to, they were lucky enough to buy a portion of it and then another and then finally the estate that we now have. And he built a road around the property so that they could test drive the cars. Most of the cars that he loves are pre-1945. And so you don't take them out on the road on day one. And we've always worked, uh, we've got a shop here and we work on the cars. And then they realized that it would be great to grow something because this was Dairy County. We, we are still surrounded by dairies at Keller State. And they, they went up to Davis and Davis, a little bit like the San Giacomo's, they said, no, it's too cold out there. If you really want to plant something, plant Chardonnay. Pinot is never going to grow there. It's way too cold. But if the Chardonnay doesn't ripen, you can always sell it to a sparkling producer. So this is 1980, 1985, and there's really not a lot of expectations for grapes growing in this area. Finally, we did plant some Chardonnay. Then we planted some Pinot. And in 2000, we actually grafted over some Chardonnay to Syrah because our vineyard manager convinced me we could ripen Syrah. So that just tells you how far we came from not being able to ripen Chardonnay to actually be able to ripen Syrah, which traditionally likes more heat to be able to ripen. So I thought it'd be fun to show this wine because I, you know, as, as good girls, we know each other's wines and I knew that Syrah would be a good combination to add and kind of explore the entirety of the grapes that we grow in this region. So we had been growing Syrah and yes, we can ripen it, but I actually, I took the liberty of going to the vineyard today and bringing in a cluster of our Syrah, which is a massive cluster. It is. I'll, I'll go find, this is my Pinot cluster as comparison. So clearly very different breeds, but if you'll see, this is sort of a twofold cluster. And what we end up doing with the Syrah a lot of times is just dropping half of the fruit. Truly the vines can't ripen all of the fruit that the, want, the, the vine wants to put out. So we drop about half and then we're able to finally finish the, the maturation for, for the Syrah. Uh, we were growing Syrah and we were very happy, but we, we kind of knew that Syrah was something that people really didn't understand exactly. Whereas with Pinot, we know exactly what flavor profiles we're doing from cherries to darker cherries to berries. With Syrah, there's a lot of different, I've always said it's sort of a schizophrenic varietal because depending on where you're buying it from, whether it's South Africa, Australia, France, the US, you really never find, you know, Syrah can express itself in many different ways. And being it's so, it's actually being as cold as we are here, we thought that the best style of Syrah that we wanted to try to pay tribute to was the wines from the Côte de Roti in the northern tip of the Rhone Valley. So we grafted over two rows of Chardonnay to Viognier, and we started working in 2010 with co-fermenting and growing both varietals at the same time. So the wine that you have right now is actually a co-ferment of 96% Syrah and about and the balance is Viognier. It, goes, it varies a little bit year to year, but it's just that little touch of Viognier that changes the personality of the Syrah. And I always like to say that it gives the wine a corset. 
um, just kind of lengthens the mid palate and the acidity that you get in the Petaluma Gap it combined with that kind of nice long mid palate really creates a bright, juicy, flavorful uh, Syrah. Uh, Syrah. Happy to answer any questions. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I did have, I did have a, a, actually a more localized question, which is since we're uh, recording by Zoom, I can see that the clusters you were showing us are all green. Really green. Yes. Yeah, so, so would you say you're on normal calendar for Verasion? Are you, are, are, do you think you're late or, or early? Where are you in track for that for this year? You know what? Just like everything else in 2020, uh, it's still up in the air. So I'm sure now the, the, the Pinot, and we only have this much Verasion in the Pinot. <laughs> yeah, you get two, two little grapes. <laughs> and, and I was just um, curious about the naming of the wine. So the Cote Rote, Rote and I, I apologize for my pronunciation, but, um, you know, that's obviously from the, the far north um, region of the Rhone, where it's sort of the northern limit of where a grape could ripen. And then I feel like that's so fun because you brought it to Petaluma, where we're at like the sort of southernmost area of, of the Sonoma County growing region where potentially Syrah could ripen. So I don't, I don't know if there was any play on that or, um, and, and the Viognier mix. So it's, it's really, it's really nice. And like you said, it does truly lengthen the mid palate. Well, it was actually, it was, uh, you know, I, uh, this is a family property and family project and a lot of conversations happened with wine and family. And when we were trying to name this new project, we've been producing Syrah for many years. And when we started, I would always describe this wine as a roti inspired wine until one day my dad said, well, if you can't sell Syrah and you're always calling this a roti inspired wine, just call it roti. So we tried and then getting the label approved was not as easy, obviously, because it's making reference to a wine in France. But we were very clear that we were paying tribute. And what's beautiful is for those people who love Syrah and especially cool climate Syrahs, it gives you a better explanation of where exactly we're taking a tribute. So when you see the name, you know we're gonna go for kind of a leaner, kind of deeper style, a little bit more earthier, kind of the tannins are very structured. That's sort of the, the style of Syrah that we were looking for. So the, the name really does help convey the style of Syrah that we're making. And there's not a lot of Syrah planted in the Petaluma Gap, but it's beautiful. And it really is sort of the dark horse of the Petaluma Gap. And I think that, you know, as people experiment with new varietals, because as, as people keep planting, you know, I see Gewürztraminer going in. I personally decided I've had a rough day today. So I brought my Arpino Gris. So I'm, doing, <laughs> I'm having a little bit of a teaser of our Pinot Gris, but I do think that as we experiment in what we plan in the area, people will keep looking for new varietals. Yeah, and you know, Misty, you're correct in that the Syrah is, is, uh, is it's the cool, it's very much a cool climate one here. My neighbor grows Syrah too here in the Petaluma Gap, and it's the last to ripen. Uh, the Pinot, of course, is pretty quick, and then the Chardonnay. Uh, but the Syrah, he often doesn't har harvest until November. Anna, I don't know how late sometimes you're harvesting your Syrah. It is always definitely the last one to come in. And it's sort of it's at the end of October, early November, mm -hmm. uh, which is great in a sense because we're 100% estate. So we start with our Pinot, then we get a tiny break, hopefully for the Chardonnay, and then we get a kind of a, a nice break, and, that we, and then we bring in the Syrah. 
And I noticed your pino has has wings on it. Uh, so does mine. I think it's a year where we have so much growth. Yeah. I think so. Even though we didn't have a lot of rain, I didn't, I was going to polish it before I showed it to everybody, but I did. <laughs> it has wings. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's the kind of work that we go in and do in the vineyard. Hopefully we can, you know, you know, you know cut a bit of wings. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, so let's make sure we're getting towards the end of our time. Let's make sure everybody knows um, what all everybody is producing. So Anna, you mentioned, I think, most everything in your portfolio, but did we miss anything besides Syrah, Pinot, Viognier, and, and what else? Rosé. Rosé. She makes an incredible rosé. Yes. I think I've had it. It's fabulous. Um, and it's beautiful. All about the rosé, Anna. <laughs> well, the rosé of Pinot Noir, I think most of us do it, and, and Kareth does it in beautiful magnums, which are amazing for parties. Um, but, but we do, I think that we, we do a, a kind of 150 cases of a rosé of Pinot Noir whole cluster press. So it's kind of the very, the best way to make a, a rosé. And we are also one of the few actual wineries in the Petaluma Gap, and we have a tasting room. So everybody's welcome to visit socially distant all fresco tastings very good very good so you can schedule an appointment at kellerestate.com uh, or place orders there as well so uh or or do both if you really feel you need to do are you doing virtual tastings as well or no we are doing some virtual okay so if somebody can't come this far uh or for whatever reason that's another way you can do it so good to know that um, Kareth, I think we should make sure that everybody knows um, all the wines that you make under Brulium. Oh boy, thank you. Um, so I make a rosé of Pinot Noir as well. I made about 200 cases this year. I actually make four different single vineyard Pinots, two of which come from the Petaluma Gap, um, one from our little estate vineyard in the Russian River Valley, and then from Santa Lucia Highlands, my only non-Sonoma Pinot. I make a Sonoma Coast Chardonnay. I make a Rockpile Zinfandel. Um, and I did a late harvest Sauvignon Blanc as a fun little project as well. And our tasting room is also open for outdoor alfresco tastings. Of course, we have curbside pickups. So I think everyone in Sonoma County, um, especially small family wineries like all of ours today, do appreciate all of the support. Yeah, absolutely true. And again, it's brulliumwines.com. B-R-U-L-I-A-M wines.com is how you find Kareth's winery online. Wow. And, and Kareth, I, I would like to just sort of mention to listeners that to have four different Pinots from one single winemaker at four different, uh, in four different growing areas, I would I encourage everyone to go online and buy four bottles and um, try those because it is so fun to pick up the different characteristics of different wines. Um, even these two today, just from the same Petaluma Gap area, had some very distinct differences. Oh, yeah. So I highly encourage that. Yeah. Thank you. Great way to go. Uh, and let's see who else. Oh, we've got Ricky again. We got Ricky Trombetta, Trombetta Family Wines. And, and what all does your daughter Erica make for the, the family's portfolio? Uh, we also make a rosé of Pinot Noir. Um, most of the grapes come from our little hobby vineyard here 
on our property. Um, Erica presses uh, the grapes and then ferments them. And uh, she also adds a little bit of the Gaps Crown Pinot Noir. So we make two Pinot Noirs, the Gaps Crown Pinot Noir, and then we also make a Sonoma Coast Pinot Noir. And then with Chardonnay, we make the Gaps Crown Chardonnay, mm -hmm. in, which is Petaluma Gap, Indendoli Vineyards, which is Russian River, mm -hmm. um, Four Brothers, which is Sonoma Mountain. So it's the Eastern Slope of Sonoma Mountain, more in the Bennett Valley side, and uh, Peterson Chardonnay, which also is uh, Sonoma Coast. Excellent, cool. And again, that you're going to find you guys at trombettawines.com. Correct. And we do curbside pickup. And we have an area if you want to purchase your bottle before you come. And you can sip in our picnic area. Ooh, beautiful. Yes. Perfect for this time of year when the weather is just right. And people are really needing to be outdoors to recharge their batteries. Yes, they can, come, inside. <laughs> they can come and uh, meet all 30 hens and our, our bees. We have three uh, beehives and then I have a huge vegetable garden and rose garden. I was going to say, Ricky's an amazing cook. So if she's in a, <laughs> you might be having a great meal in addition to this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Anna. Yes, and I we still have to get together. That, um, Ricky, you have a lot of... Um, you have a lot of videos and recipes uh, for pairing with the wines as well on your website. Correct, we do. Yeah. So, so yeah, we um, didn't even get a chance to talk too much about what everybody's favorite pairings are, but we'll have to save that for another day. Lisa, did you have something? I did. I just wanted um, to remind our listeners that we are talking to everyone from the Petaluma Gap and that that organization has a website that can be visited as well. PetalumaGap.com, which has a lot of information about the growers, the wineries, um, the ABA, and what's happening there. Yeah, Cheryl Quist, who is the executive director for the Petaluma Gap Growers Alliance, wanted to be with us, but she also has a, a prior conflict with our, our recording time. So she was instrumental in helping to pull this together, as was Anna. Uh, who was a huge help in uh, pulling this together. And I, th and I think it's uh, worthy, a, a, shall we say, a clothing. Cl oh, did we lose Marsha? Yeah, Marsha's um, reception. It, it likes to do this at the very end of each recording for some reason. It looks like we did lose Marsha for a second. All right, I, okay. see, I see that little warning that gets flashed in front of me for that. I just wanted to do a closing toast to all the women of the Petaluma Gap Growers Alliance uh, and all of your wineries um, for having the wherewithal gumption go-to to get it done and launch the Petaluma Gap AVA because it was an enormous undertaking and you did it and you got your application filled and you were granted your AVA to make these wines stand out more for consumers, which is the name of the game. So here's to all of you and thank you for sharing your wine with us. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks everyone. Woo
It's lovely. Cheers. And I want to thank uh, Misty and Lisa for being here today. I really appreciate your time today. And most of all, to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate your, your tuning in. And we will be sure on the, uh, on the website and on the webpage, we will have links to everybody's website, to uh, the Growers Alliance uh, website as well, so people can get more information there as well. Uh, and here is to another great harvest coming up. Uh, hope you have a wonderful harvest, ladies, and time. Really thank you to join us today. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers, thank everyone. You. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.